Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Roberts, and welcome to the Expect a Miracle podcast. Well, we're a few weeks post-election. Have you recovered? (laughs) Whether you're a Democrat or Republican or an independent, have you recovered? (laughs) You know, somebody was asking me the other day, how do I feel about the fact that we have uh, now a, uh, we're going to have, I guess, in January, a Republican House of Representatives and a Democratic Senate. Um, Honestly, I'm not really concerned about it. I I think it's probably a pretty good thing. Now, this is just my opinion now, okay? I'm not giving you some scriptural thing. I'm just telling you how I feel. Um, I think it's a good thing because they balance one each other out. And I think that's a good thing. And when you have two opposing views and you can't get anything through, The only thing you can do is to come together and find a way to compromise and work out something that's good for everybody. I think that the founding fathers were very wise in the way they set up our government with the executive branch and the judicial branch and the legislative branch. I think they they were very wise. And I think America has a way of understanding that there needs to be some balance. And where one party doesn't have an opportunity to run roughshod over the other, and the other party doesn't have an opportunity to run roughshod over the other. Now, that's just my personal opinion. And speaking of opinions, uh, I get questions all the time. Wherever I go, people ask me questions, all kinds of questions. Uh, Good questions, bad questions, embarrassing questions. I get asked asked the other day, does heaven have toilets? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I guess I'll find out. But um, uh, people send me emails and they, they leave messages wanting questions. And I thought, well, it might be a good idea to take some of these questions and answer them. And so I had my staff to take some of the questions that have come and I have put them on little three by five cards and I'm going to uh, uh, endeavor to answer some of them. Um, this one says, how, how does the word of, how does this word of knowledge thing, this is how it came in. How does this word of knowledge thing work? When you feel something or you see something in the spirit, well, you you hear me operate in the word of knowledge, you see me operate in the word of knowledge, and you wonder where in the world does he get that from? Well, first of all, a word of knowledge is supernatural information that comes from God. It doesn't come from a human being, it comes from God. Word of knowledge is one of the nine gifts of the spirit that the apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I can't tell you how the word of knowledge works in others. I can only tell you how it works through me. And I can't ever tell when it's going to operate because I'm not under control. It's, it's uh, or in control, I should say. The Holy Spirit is in control and he manifests it whenever he chooses, not when I choose. Sometimes when I want it, sometimes when I don't want it to operate. What happens to me is I, first of all, feel something physically in my body. For example, I'll be preaching or I'll be ministering or I'll be standing by someone and suddenly I will lose hearing in an ear. Or suddenly my vision in one eye will just go black. Uh, Or suddenly I'll feel a popping in my knee or feel like my shoulder went out of joint. When it first started happening years ago, I thought I was going crazy. But when I feel it, then I see in my spirit, and not with my physical eyes, but I see someone in the spirit realm with that affliction. And when I say what I feel and what I see in the spirit, someone always gets healed. Now, as I said, I can't tell you how it operates through somebody else, but that's how it operates through me. Here's another question. With all the miracles you have seen in your life, 
Have you ever experienced a miracle when you had to step back and say, wow, that was really cool? <laughs> I didn't expect that. Well, of course, one I can think of is when the the beggar uh, in Jos, Nigeria was healed. A young man, I'm going to guess 20 years of age, had never walked in his life. And when I prayed for him and God gave me a word, God healed the young man. He came through the crowd running, jumping. The newspapers carried the story the next day, beggar of Jos healed. He'd never walked in his life. And for some 20 years, he'd crawled along the ground and all of a sudden he's walking. You talk about cool. And the next night, about 100,000 people came to hear me preach and 25,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord. That's about as cool as I can think of. What are two of the biggest projects you're working on right now? Well, I'm working on a new global ministry center. I'm believing God uh, for $10 million to build a new global ministry center. Uh, we're uh, breaking ground very soon for that building, not more than 25 minutes from where I'm sitting here at our office right now. And the other project is I'm working uh, to have more presence on social media. Uh, you know, you have to stay up with the times. You have to, instead of cursing the darkness, you got to light a candle. I didn't know much about social media a few years ago, but I'm learning more and more each day. And I want to have a bigger presence on social media because more and more people, especially the younger people, are turning to the social media as opposed to the older ways. So those are things I'm working on. Why is seed faith so critical? Well, it's only important if you want to pay your bills. <laughs> uh, Jesus talked about being a giver. He said it is more blessed uh, to give than to receive. And people think, well, I should give and I not should expect anything back. Well, no, that's not true. A better translation is it is more productive to give than to receive. Because when you give, it produces a harvest. Why would a farmer plant a seed unless he expected a return? Seed faith is critical because when you attach your faith to your seed, you've really got something worthwhile. Uh, here's a question. Uh, how are you expecting to God, God to move in 2023? Well, I had a prophetic word just the other night from a prophet who called me and talked about 2023 and said there are going to be even greater miracles than I've ever witnessed. In fact, the prophetic word was he saw a, a drop of water fall into a bucket. And he asked the Lord, what does that mean? He said, what Richard has seen so far is just a drop in the bucket in comparison to what he's going to see miraculously in the days ahead. I'm expecting that in 2023. Uh, what would it look like for this ministry to improve to operate one level higher than it currently is? It would look great. <laughs> and we're doing everything in our power to bring that to pass. That, uh, that, that goes along with talking about a new building, with a, a social media presence, uh, so on and so forth. How do you cope with stress? <laughs> How do you cope with stress? Well, I guess one thing I do is I give it to God because in most instances, I can't carry stress. I don't like stress. I don't want to carry it. I give it to God. Now you say, well, that's a very simplistic answer. Well, I've just learned over the years to give it to God, especially when there's nothing that I can do about it. Now, the Bible says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. I've got to make sure that I've done my part. Okay? I can't just say, well, I'm going to sit back and do nothing. God will do it all. That, because that's not the Bible. 
Um, without God, I cannot, but without me, he will not. I've got to do my part. So when I have done all that I can do, then I take my stand and say, God, the rest is up to you. And that's how I handle stress. How do you stay organized? <laughs> my wife would tell you that I don't, <laughs> but she's not here, but she is telling the truth. I am not, <clears throat> I am not one of the most organized people in the world. And I don't know many evangelists who are. Lindsay is far more organized than I am. How do I stay organized? I don't think I stay organized <clears throat> nearly as well. <clears throat> I, I stay organized because Lindsay organizes me. What do you do when preparing to minister to a large group of people? Well, first I try to discern who's going to be there. Are they pastors? Are they laymen? Are they uh, ministers of the gospel? Are they uh, a secular crowd? I try to gauge the audience. Uh, I once was asked to speak to a class of technical school students. I tried to talk their language. Uh, I, learned that, <clears throat> I learned that from the Apostle Paul. When Paul was in Athens, he talked about the things that meant something to Athenians. I try to do that as well. I try to gauge my crowd and talk where they are, not where I want them to be but to gauge them and talk where they are, and then to relate the gospel to that area. Uh, <clears throat> who was your biggest spiritual influence or hero outside of your family? Well, that's easy. Catherine Kuhlman. You may or may not know, but I traveled with Catherine for several years and was very close to her. And I loved her very, very much. She had a profound influence upon me. Much of what I know about the word of knowledge and the gifts of the Spirit, I learned from her. A great woman of God and a real blessing to me and to my family. Who in the Bible would you like to meet face to face? Probably John the Baptist. Uh, because he was an evangelist. Or maybe Philip, who was an evangelist, but I, I would like to meet, I'd like to meet John the Baptist face to face. What if Adam did not eat the apple? <laughs> well, I guess we wouldn't be in such a mess. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> what are your spiritual disciplines? Well, one thing is I pray. Um, I, I pray in the morning when I get up. I pray throughout the day. I pray in tongues. And I pray in tongues not because I'm better than anybody else, but because I need help. Paul said, I don't know what to pray for as I ought. And I understand how Paul felt because I feel the same way. Sometimes my words in English just don't cut it. And that's when I pray in tongues. And I pray in tongues every day. I woke up this morning praying. And I pray all throughout the day. And Lindsay and I have times of prayer each day. And we pray over each other at night. And we anoint each other with oil. I believe in prayer. Prayer is the key. And I've told this to people all over the world. Prayer is the key that unlocks the throne of God's mercy. Uh, what has God been teaching you lately? I guess he's been teaching me how to be more patient. I'm a little quick-tempered. I get that from my father's side of the family. And I'm trying to be more patient. Uh, I, I, you'll have to ask somebody in my family if I'm having any success. Does G? Oh, here's a good one. Does Jesus sing in the Bible? As a matter of fact, he did. If you go back in, I think it's in Matthew, at the Last Supper, 
when he gathered his disciples together and they had the cup and they had the bread. If you follow, by the way, somebody's had pain in your jaws. See, I can't ever tell when a word of knowledge is coming. Someone, you've had pain in both sides of your jaws and you're being healed right now, even as you're listening or watching this podcast, the pain that shoots down the side of your face. Now, here's an example. I'm going back to that question. I'll answer the singing in a minute. All of a sudden, I felt this sharp pain in both sides of my jaws. And I, I, I know there's nothing wrong with my jaws, okay? But I felt this. Then I saw someone in my spirit having a hard time chewing and moving their mouth because of pain. Now I'm going to say what I felt and what I saw. In Jesus' name, someone who has this pain, you're being healed. Now, if that's you, let me know who you are. Uh, call the prayer group at 918-495-7777 or email me at our website, uh, richardroberts.org. Does Jesus sing in the Bible? In Matthew, when Jesus gathered his disciples before he was arrested, you remember he had a communion, what we know as communion, he had a last supper. The Bible says when they finished, they sang a hymn together. Now, lots of speculation about what they sang. Many of them think they sang a psalm. I don't know what they sang. They didn't sing Amazing Grace, that's for sure. <laughs> but they did sing, and Jesus sang. He said, they sang. So the implication is they all sang together. So yes, Jesus sang. What kind of voice did he have? Well, I don't know, you know. <laughs> oh, here's that question. Are there toilets in the Bible? <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> okay. How do you handle talking to a family member after praying for a loved one that just passed away or eventually passed away. Well, I've, I've just had that experience in my family. One of my cousins, one of my dear cousins, just went home to be with the Lord just a few days ago. And I I'm, uh, am, am speaking at the memorial service, and I spent time ministering to the family. Um, he was 88 years old, had had a great life, and knew Jesus. It's a lot easier when that situation is there. It's, it's more difficult. I remember once uh, I was asked to speak at the funeral of a, of a young man who was executed because of the murders that he committed. And to my knowledge, he was not a Christian. And sometimes it's difficult. And I was asked to preach the memorial service, and I did. And I won several of the family members that he left behind to Christ. Um, I always encourage people, especially my family members, I always encourage them to pray in tongues because when our son died, the only thing that helped me stay sane at that time was praying in tongues because my English didn't cut it. I prayed in tongues and that's what I said to this family and that's what I'll say to you. Okay, here's another question I got. Have you ever had a most embarrassing moment while ministering? Well, I can remember once when I was in Jamaica, I just I, I was getting a testimony from a woman, and, and I, I leaned forward and struck her with the microphone right in her head. <laughs> I didn't mean to. That was embarrassing. I guess another embarrassing moment was when a woman came for prayer in one of my crusades in Africa. She had been born with one breast, and they asked me to pray for her, which I did. She was believing for God to create a second breast. And she then came back and the pastor said, God has done it. God has created a second breast. And she came up on the platform to testify. Now, there were 30 or 40,000 people in the crowd. <laughs> and I made a mistake. I, I said, how do you know? She reached, now this is Africa. 
She reached down and took up her dress and lifted it all the way up. <laughs> Leave nothing to your imagination. And sure enough, uh, well, that's enough about that. Uh, that was, wow. What do you say at a moment like that? How about those cubs? Um, how long do you see yourself continuing on in ministry? Well, I don't believe in retirement. Uh, I, I don't see people retiring in the Bible. I don't see why I should retire. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I'm not in charge of that. But I certainly don't intend on retiring. Do I need to go to church if I'm surrounded by believers in my own personal community? Well, being surrounded by your own personal community is a wonderful thing. Prayer groups, cell groups, they're wonderful. But nothing takes the place of the church. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You say, well, I'm having a hard time finding a, a good church. Well, keep looking. They're out there, okay? Um, Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He was speaking of the church. Um, what was the hardest part about being Oral Roberts' son? Probably all the jokes that I had to endure when I was a, a boy in school, and I had a lot of, I had some, fights, you know, and had some bloody noses, left some, had some. Uh, what are your travel plans for 2023? Uh, well, um, next month in January, I'll be out in uh, California. I'm uh, ministering in Murrieta. Uh, I'm also ministering in January at uh, Kenneth Copeland's annual ministers conference. In Fort Worth, I'll be ministering for Prophet Robin Bullock down in Warrior, Alabama. That's all in January. In February, I'll be ministering out in Merced, California, in uh, Fresno, California, and in Fireball, California. And uh, I'll be up in uh, I'll be up in Iowa, and I'll be in Tennessee, and I'll be down in Georgetown, Texas. And I got lots of places to go uh, in 2023. Uh, my thoughts on cancel culture. Wow. Well, I don't like it too much. It's spiteful. And Jesus said we should love our enemies and not hate our enemies. He didn't say about canceling them out. It's judgmental. And Jesus said you should not judge. Don't judge lest you get judged yourself. I don't want judgment. I want forgiveness. How about you? And it's unforgiving. And Jesus said, uh, if you don't forgive, then neither will I forgive you. I don't care for cancel culture. It's uh, propagated by a group of people who believe they're right and you're wrong and they have the right to speak and you don't. I don't think that's godly. I don't think that's American. Uh... And I have, oh, uh, uh, Colleen uh, sent me some on a piece of paper here. Um, she said, uh, you talk a lot about a point of contact. What is that? Point of contact is something you do, and when you do it, you release your faith. Sometimes when I pray for people, my hands are a point of contact. Sometimes my words are a point of contact. Your Bible could be a point of contact. A prayer cloth could be a point of contact. Anointing oil could be a point of contact. Um why do you spend so much time ministering to and training pastors? Because a prophetic word was given to me over my father, by my father before he died. He said, Richard, when you get towards your 
mid to late 60s, you will become a minister to ministers and your crusade days will come to an end. Well, that happened when I was about 66 or 67. And I have, I no longer conduct crusades. That's for younger men. I did that for 40 years. Now I'm spending more time ministering to pastors, especially on healing the Holy Spirit and seed faith. That's why. Um, did someone tell you that you were anointed for the healing ministry? And how did you know? Uh, my father prophesied that over me when I was 19. I was ill and he came to pray for me. And before he laid hands on me, he began to prophesy. And he said, I had no idea that you had such a healing calling on your life. And I didn't know what he meant. And he began to explain and he began to prophesy, telling me what I would do and how the Lord was going to use me. He particularly talked about the word of knowledge which was not operating in me at that time. I was 19. And also the gifts of healing, which was not operating in me at that time because I was 19. Um, and it's been happening ever since. Did I go to seminary? Yes, I did. I earned a mass. I, I hold a master of arts degree in theology. I hold a master of divinity degree in the theology and I hold a doctor of divinity degree, not an honorary doctor. Those are DDs. I have a doctor of ministry degree. I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven years of postgraduate work and I have a degree for every one of them. Yes, I did go to seminary. Um, it seems ministers talk a lot about giving. Why is giving so important? Well, why is planting seeds so important to a farmer? Because he knows it's the only way he can get a harvest. And what you sow is what you're going to reap. Jesus said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What is my favorite Thanksgiving food? Uh, turkey. And do you cook? Yes. And I have recently discovered the air fryer. Oh my goodness. What an invention. I did hamburgers over the weekend in the air fryer. I didn't know that could be done. It was fabulous and so quick too, and so easy to clean up. What is a sample prayer of someone who wants to dispatch angels and can you dispatch angels? Yes. You did not lose your guardian angel just because you grew up. I dispatch my angels all the time. The Lord, while I was in prayer, the Lord gave me the name of the main guardian angel. And I have two of them. One who's with me wherever I go. His name is Charisma. And the other who is with me when I pray for the sick. And his name is Japheth. I've not seen them, but I have felt their presence. And when I dispatch angels, I will call their name and say, I dispatch you and the angels who are assigned with you to me and to my family and this ministry to do a certain project. Um, what should a person pray every morning to start the day? Well, as I said earlier, I pray in tongues a lot. Um, I usually pray, uh, I pray over my family. I pray over this ministry. I pray over our, our friends and partners. I also pray, uh, several scriptures. I pray the 91st Psalm. I pray the 23rd Psalm. I pray the 101st Psalm. I pray the 23rd Psalm. I do that every day of my life. And I call out the names of my family members and pray over them. I dispatch angels to encamp about them to keep them safe from harm and danger. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. 
and I take on with them, for them, and alongside of them, I take on the sevenfold armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, gospel shoes of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, above all, taking the shield of faith by which we're able to quench all the fire darts of the devil, and number seven, praying in tongues, praying always in the spirit. He's talking about tongues. All right. What advice, here's, I'll give you one more. What advice would you give to help someone stay in faith and not doubt when they have not yet seen the answer to their problems? Uh, Jesus healed some people immediately and some people uh, were healed as they went. Sometimes I don't receive an instantaneous response, but as I go, as I, as I go forward with my life, I just keep expecting. Now, there are things in my life right now I'm believing God for that have not yet happened. But I'm holding on to my faith. And when I pray for someone and there is not seemingly an instant healing, I always say to them, now I'm standing with you in faith. I'm not going to come out of this agreement until the miracle is manifested. If you have more questions for, them, for me, send them to me. I get them all the time and I'll take time sometime in the future, and I'll answer some more. Set my faith with you right now in the authority of Jesus' name. First of all, that this is a blessing. Second of all, for God to touch you and heal you instantaneously or as you go from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet in Jesus' mighty name. I am expecting a miracle for you. God bless you. Thanks for watching our podcast today, and I will see you next time. Text giving is now available. If you're in the USA, text RRM to 833-881-6442. Now, if you're in Canada, text RRM Canada to 77977. Your generosity makes a difference.